Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere else you can find podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, tell your friends to subscribe, and check out the other podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Bulls, like us on Facebook at Locked On Bulls. And if you have any uh, questions you want us to answer on the show or you want to advertise with us, make sure you want to email us at lockedonbulls at gmail.com. I'm Sean Hyken of The Athletic. With me, as always, Cody Westerland of 670 to score. Cody, are the Bulls back? Because the Bulls might be back. Four wins in a row, Sean. Four. 117, 110 over the Pelicans in New Orleans on Sunday evening is the latest version of those. Four wins. You're never going to guess who was at the center of this one. Uh, I mean, it was probably Isaiah Cannon, right? That's who's been carrying them lately. guy named Jimmy Butler. 39 points in this contest on 14-26 to 26 shooting. Really, really efficient early in the game. A few of those misses were down the stretch. He was probably tired a little bit because he logged almost 43 minutes in the win Saturday when he carried him almost 39 minutes in this game, but he was spectacular all night, once again, Bobby Portis had 21 points, 11 rebounds off the bench, and the Bulls were pretty much in control of this game throughout. It's like it's like they led by 10 points to 16 points for the entire second half, basically, you know what I'm saying? And this is just another really good performance by the Bulls, had a seven-point lead uh, after the first quarter and just kept going from there, took over in the second quarter too. And Jimmy just continues to put this team on his back. Great decision-making again. And the Bulls, Sean, don't look now. They're seventh place in the East. Solo seventh, just a game behind the sixth place Hawks. And they are one game clear of the Pacers and Heat who are behind them. And the Bulls have the tiebreak. So they're effectively two games up with five to play. They're also only two games behind Milwaukee for the five seed. Dream big. Two games is nothing. Yeah, you know, the Bucks hold that uh, tiebreaker. I know they, I know they do, but this, this... Uh, the Bulls will not be chasing down the Bucks for the five seed. I guarantee you that. Heard it here first. Um, six seed is legitimately in play, though. The man. Hawks lost to Brooklyn tonight. That's and with Paul Millsap back too. That's yeah, not, he's like a sub for the second time. Or not something. a good look. His Atlanta tenure. The Hawks are kind of cratering. The Pacers, um, I guess you could say squandered a 43-point outing, I believe, by Paul George, including 13 points in the second overtime, and lost to the Cavs. Uh, so they're still trending south. He came down to the wire against the Nuggets, lost that. He did. Uh, Denver was up most of that game. He had a chance to tie late. But right now the Bulls are playing. you got to think about this. The Cavs are clearly a lot better than the Bulls still in any seven-game series. Because they have LeBron James and the Bulls don't. Yes, but other... Put the Cavs aside. Put the Celtics who are playing good basketball still in line for that, that one seed uh, right now, possibly aside. The Bulls might be playing the best basketball in the Eastern Conference other than those couple big dogs. I guess the Wizards are still playing pretty well most of the time, but they're playing well, the Bulls. 
the Wizards and the Celtics are actually the ones that are playing the best out of those top four seeds. Because, you know, Toronto still doesn't have Lowry back. Yeah. They're not at full strength. And the Cavs have still... You, they shouldn't be going into double overtime against the against this Pacers team at this point with you know all the issues that they've had. That's not good. No. What stuck out to you uh, in this Bulls contest, though, um, besides Jimmy Butler? I mean, what do you think all in all, obviously? Bulls getting boogie for a third time uh, this year because he played twice for the Kings and was amid plenty of controversy, it felt like, in those two Bulls-Kings game and then getting traded to New Orleans. Boogie had 26. Anthony Davis had 30. Uh, the rest of the Pelicans kind of just really stink. Like it's... They can't finish layups. They miss open jump shots. I don't understand how like long stretches in the game, like Anthony Davis has Paul Zipser on him or Joffrey Laverne, and for some reason Dante Cunningham and Tim Frazier are like firing up shots when Anthony Davis has, again, Joffrey Laverne on him. And the Bulls bench was spectacular, but... The Pelicans, like, never took advantage of mismatches, and then when they did, they, like, missed way too many layups. Well, I mean, they have kind of the same problem as the Bulls, where they have a couple of really top-line players. You know, they have Anthony Davis, they have DeMarcus Cousins, and then Drew Holiday is obviously still a very good point guard. Other than that, this roster, I mean, you're looking at this, uh, I mean, I like Etwan more, you know, the couple of the other guys, but, you know, Quinn Cook is a D-League guy on a 10-day contract. He played tonight. Uh, Jordan Crawford, another D-League 10-day contract guy. He played, like... This is not a very good roster, and they're still kind of figuring out how to make the Boogie Davis stuff work. As far as from the Bulls' end, besides, obviously, Jimmy was incredible, this is the second night in a row after last night with Denzel Valentine hitting a couple of big shots. Jimmy got a lot of help from the supporting players. You mentioned a little bit earlier Bobby Portis uh, getting 21 off the bench. Joffrey Laverne had 15. Uh, Nico Miritich didn't, you know, if you look at his numbers, he didn't shoot great. He only had eight points, but he hit a couple of big threes to stop a couple of Pelicans runs when they were, uh, making a push, making, making a push. Paul Zips, yeah. Paul Zipser had this block, uh, near the end when it really looked like they were going to, uh, yeah, Bulls were up six and the Pelicans were in transition, uh, in the final minutes. And who was it? Drew Holiday. It was Drew, yeah. Hard to the hole on a two on one fast break. And mind you. Phenomenal play by Paul Zipser, which we'll get to here in a bit, but also reflective of the Pelicans. They can't execute a two-on-one fast break because they're just, again, they're not smart basketball players right now where they don't fit together, whatever the case is. Um, but Holiday went hard to the hole. Zipser, like, met him at the rim. He, like, hung in the air a little bit. Paul Zipser hung in the air and, like, it's like, I, I can hang in the air longer than you, Drew Holiday. He had Stacy King going absolutely bananas on how athletic of a play it was on the CSN broadcast. And... Paul Zipser, not an elite athlete, but he's a fine athlete. I think he's proved that this year. Apparently also capable of CPR. Yes, yes. That was my favorite. I mean, so, fill in, fill so, in. So uh, Rajon Rondo, who had a pretty good game tonight. He 10 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists, almost had a triple-double. But he gets flattened on a screen by DeMarcus Cousins. And he baited him into it a little bit. He kind of ran into him. But, you know, he's... 6-1 or whatever, and DeMarcus Cousins is gigantic, and so that, that it didn't really end well for him, but he just kind of lays down on the ground, and Paul Zipser walks over to him, and like kind of mimes doing CPR, and then Rondo gets up. I it's, thought that was a pretty good it's so, moment. There you go. We can just go flying with the Bulls love each other story. Like, Absolutely. What they'll do, what these young guys will do for Rondo, they will literally perform maybe CPR. Not, maybe not in a serious situation, but they literally will perform CPR. Rajon Rondo, if need be. That's how much they love him. Um, <laughs> the Rondo thing, I mean, he got decked on that play by Boogie. 
But uh, he and Boogie, I think they had a good relationship in Sacramento. Yeah, they did. They got they got along. Um, but Boogie's just like he's always in the middle of everything, and I just kind of I chuckle because if the Bulls were never close at any point in time to a trade with the Kings, but the trade rumors were always thrown around for the past couple of years. Where could Boogie go? And like, can you build a franchise around him? Just the thought of Neil Funk and Stacey King having to call 82 Boogie games or 75, whatever they call it, there's national TV games. Like, can you imagine that? Like, they were both, like, internally combusting every time Boogie did anything on the floor. Like, Boogie makes a weird frown at the official after the ball goes off his foot, and they're just out of their chairs, riled up. Like, everything Boogie does, bad attitude and stuff, it would be just be quality entertainment for an entire season if they had to. This is, I mean, th- this game was just like the most peak DeMarcus Cousins game in yeah. every way possible, good and bad. I mean, if you look at his numbers, he had 26 points, 18 rebounds. I mean, that's really good numbers. Seven he had turnovers. a couple crazy dunks, but yeah, seven turnovers. He played some pretty awful defense, too. There were times when he was just kind of jogging back on defense. Uh, didn't have a huge impact on that end, and he's never really been considered an elite defender, but, you know, he's capable of some stuff when he's locked in, and he didn't really look very engaged on that end, but he also put up some big numbers, had some huge dunks. Like, this is just kind of the full boogie experience in this game, for better and worse. To be honest, like, I think this game simply boils down to, uh, well, I think it's reflective of the Bulls' identity and them figuring out what they want to be in. By that, I mean this. They Bulls shot nearly 49%, and I thought most all of the shots the Bulls took were really good shots. Like, off the top of your head, like, can you think, did Nico have one heat check, I think? He had, yeah, he had one where he just kind of pulled up from 25, missed it. Yeah. Otherwise, though, I I thought the Bulls got a lot of great looks, which I think that's reflected, but you didn't, you can't think of another, like, oh, that was a terrible shot, can you? No, and I like that, uh, that, uh, uh, you know, Dr. Laverne is feeling comfortable enough to stiss, to go out to the perimeter, take a couple of shots. Uh, he hit three three-pointers tonight. Yeah, and the thing to me, though, this game just comes down to it. Like, the Pelicans, every fourth or fifth possession, you'd be like, what on earth are you shooting that shot for? It's like boogie, iso, top of the key. Takes like an 18-footer or something. Takes an 18-footer. It's Tim Frazier going to the hoop and having a line to the hoop. But the Bulls kind of want Tim Frazier shooting shots in traffic around the rim with Robin Lopez out there. You know what I mean? Like, that's what they want. And he flings up a wild layup. Or maybe it's each one more that goes to the hoop and can't finish well enough. Both those guys shot one of six. Like, this is reflective of just mind-numbing and dumbfounding decisions by the Pelicans. Like, look, Anthony Davis, spectacular player, 8 of 19 on this night. But there were... Several times he had Laverne and Zipser isoed like on the wing or cleared out kind of a little farther out from the block, and he's doing a shoulder shrug and shake and then fading away, shooting a shot. It's like, you're Anthony Davis. You can torch Joffrey Laverne off the bounce every single time, and you're at least going to get fouled by someone, even if it's not a shooting foul. Someone has got to um, grab you, basically, to stop you from going to the rim, and I don't know well why. You know what I mean? Like I get maybe Anthony Davis and Boogie Cousins don't fit together real well, but and I like how the Bulls played, but I'm not going to credit their defense as being 
great in this game because, I mean, 110 points kind of reflective of the quicker pace, too, in the game. But I thought the Pelicans shot some really bad shots. There was some weird stuff going on with their decision-making. I want to talk about Bobby Portis a little bit. Because yeah. he had one of his best games of his uh, career. I believe he's one off his career high of 22. But he had 21 points, 11 rebounds. They really needed 31 minutes off the bench. He just he couldn't miss. And he shot it. He wasn't just, you know, he scored 21 points because he was getting shots up. He shot 9 of 15 from the field. So he was actually, he hit three five three-pointers. He was actually pretty efficient from the floor. And then I feel like with Bobby, he never has an okay game. He's either has a, he either has a game like this where he's spectacular or he's just completely invisible on the court. And there's really no in-between. Yeah, he was invisible on Saturday when they lost the Hawks. I think like scoreless yeah. Noah 4 from yeah. the field or something like that. And that's a good point. And on this night... Nico didn't do nearly as much like you point out. Like it's like, can the Bulls stagger it so they get good Nico and good Bobby on separate nights so they always have? Well, one that, good might, that might be what they that might be what they're doing. Maybe uh, Marsh, well, it's not what they're doing. It's not like they click Marsh, a button that says good Bobby tonight. Well, if March, it's just, is, if March is Nico's month, maybe April is Bobby's month. Maybe this is something that uh, I'll have to go back and look I at. Feel Bobby's. like December fi- two thousand fifteen was Bobby's month, or January two thousand sixteen was Bobby's month. Just before the scouting reports got out on him. That's true. That's very true. Um. It still feels like the Bulls have some sort of formula for success here, though. Um, it involves Jimmy Butler, as I think Vin, Vinny Goodwill, if you didn't hear our podcast after Saturday's uh, thrilling Bulls win over the Hawks at the United Center, uh, Vinny hopped on with us, and he made the good point that like Jimmy's ceding more of the playmaking responsibility to Rondo for the first 38 minutes, 40 minutes of a lot of these games. And Jimmy's still obviously the guy that has the ball in his hands a lot late in games. But the Bulls did it again. You know, like, Rondo's out there getting guys looks. Nine assists here. Still has some dumb turnovers. Only three of them in this game. I think one of them was a really long pass. Like, Fred Hoiberg literally said on Saturday evening, now if we can just get Rajon to stop throwing 75-foot passes, then no one will be good. And he threw at least one of those in this game. <laughs> but, like, you live with that. Yeah. He's, he's been, you know, for, his, for polarizing of a guy as he is, and he certainly hasn't been perfect. He's had some bad turnovers. He's made some bad decisions. But for the most part, he's been about as good as you could expect him to be. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, I just think, I think the Bulls should probably ride this wave. They seem like they're just clicking at the right time right now. All it took, as Jimmy Butler pointed out, was uh, maybe some more clearly defined roles. Yeah. And again, we talked about this last night with Vinny, but I'm really interested to see what's going to happen. Let's say they make the playoffs and Dwayne Wade comes back. We had a big discussion about this with Vinny yesterday, but I'm just really interested to see how that's going to change the dynamic because... They've been playing, and I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the Bulls are better without Dwayne Wade thing. It seems like a lazy narrative, but they're playing a different style. Without. They are. They're, they're freely shooting threes like no other. I mean, 13 of 26 in this game. That's seven games in a row mm-hmm. in which the Bulls have made double-digit three-pointers, a franchise record, and it's shattering the franchise record. I think it was four previously. And the Bulls were literally the worst three-point shooting team in every category for the first three quarters of the season pretty much after, maybe not after game one and two, you know what I mean? But through the first like three quarters of the season, the Bulls were the worst three-point shooting team. And since this run started, they've climbed, I think, entering today to 27th in the league in three-point percentage. They're 25th. 25th now after this game. Like, this is... This is an incredible heel turning transformation. They're also not from last. What they were. They're also not last in uh, attempts per game anymore. They're second to last. Behind. Oh, there they go. 
And then the in, vision. And then in terms of makes, I'm looking. They're, they're still last in makes. Yeah, barely. I think uh, the Pistons barely ahead of them or something. Point. Like that. No, it's no, it's Phoenix. Phoenix now. Um, well, no, no, no. It's three. It's three teams because they have they make seven point four threes a game, and then three teams make seven point five per game. The Pistons, Timberwolves, and Suns. Okay. Well, uh, the way they're playing though is the way they're firing threes and making them at this clip. Like they're not. They're not in Cavs, Rockets, Warriors territory where they just shoot like 38 threes in a game, you know. But the Bulls, I don't know, they're, they're shooting more like a top 10 or 12 team, you know what I mean, as far as the streak goes. And we've talked so much about crediting Rondo for this, but Denzel Valentine keeps uh, stepping up and making some big shots late in games like we saw Saturday. It will be interesting to see what he does with or how he fares when Dwayne Wade comes back because some of his minutes will get pulled and he's the guy you go with this two shooter lineup theory like Paul Zipcher probably leaves the starting lineup obviously if Wade's back for them in the playoffs and then you don't have two shooters you really just have Nico around Rondo yeah you do and for anybody wondering by the way what Dwayne Wade thinks about all of this he just posted an Instagram announcing that his line of pocket squares is going to be sold at Saks Fifth Avenue pretty soon he didn't make many mention of the game (laughs) he's supposed to it sounded like Fred Hoiberg mentioned Dwayne Wade might meet up with the Bulls in New York uh, on I believe they play the Knicks on Tuesday well yeah because he's going to go to the Saks Fifth Avenue thing for his because his pocket square line is going to be uh, sold there. Well, I'm sure there's probably a really important doctor in New York too that you yeah. can check out. Yeah. Uh, his elbow. What, what's the latest again from Fred updating on uh, on D Wade's condition? He mentioned a little bit in practice the other day, didn't he? Yeah, he said that he's been getting shots up, which considering that it was his shooting elbow that was the one he fractured, the fact that he can even get shots up at all is a good sign for it healing. He's obviously still out for the regular season, but everybody kind of seems pretty hopeful that if they make the playoffs, he'll be able to come back. So that's kind of where it's at. So right there now. won't be any like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We don't. Uh, maybe he needs another week or two. No, no. They 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 seem to. Everybody seems to think that that you know that, that he didn't say definitely because obviously something could happen between now and then with the setback. But we asked him, and Nico also said that he th- that from the players' perspective, everybody is kind of operating as though they would expect him to be able to play if they made the playoffs. Do you think this? These young guys' progress is uh, is sustainable. Like, has anything that happened over the past couple weeks regarding Nico if they decide to bring him back, Bobby, Denzel, Jaron Grant, obviously still out of the rotation, but these other guys, do you think this is a glimpse of what they really are, or do you think this is a hot streak? The one guy that I think I can point to some of this stuff and say, you know, this might be something he can actually carry over, you know, on the, in the long term is Denzel. Because, I mean, he's just getting these shots up. He's not afraid to get these shots up. He was a good shooter in college. I think he'll, you know, if he, if he keeps being allowed to shoot confidently. And he's, you know, unlike, you know, these other guys, that you know, Nico struggled with confidence and Doug, who uh, was, you know, had a similar skill set to Denzel, who was also a shooter before he got traded, uh, struggled with confidence at times. Denzel, I've never seen a single time this year where he has been hesitant to get a shot up if he's got one open. And so if that carries over and if he sees some of these go in in these big games like he did last night against the Hawks, I think that is going to help him. Yeah, he seems... I think he needs to, to, to rein in some of those heat checks and make better decisions. Right now, I think someone 
tweeted, it got retweeted by somebody. But Denzel's made like twelve shots at the rim now this year is like it. And like Jimmy Butler probably makes twelve every two games at the rim, probably something yeah. like that. But I mean, Denzel is non existent for long stretches inside the three point line. Like if he takes the ball in there, the first thing he's looking to do is basically just get rid of it to someone else. It's not like a Rajon Rondo ever probe the defense, set someone else up. It's like, uh-oh, you know, like I'm in Right, pass it to someone else and then, and then go back out and spot up. Yeah, so like, I guess that's what we expect out of a rookie, probably, is like one thing at a time, uh-huh. one area of their game to try to get right and count on. And that's spotting up, hitting some three-pointers, which he's been doing much better here over the past month. But even he mentioned in uh, Saturday in post-game interviews, Denzel mentioned there was a key possession late in the Hawks game in which Denzel had the ball in the paint, in the lane, and he he could have probably taken a floater, a little runner. He probably could have tried to draw the defense a little more and passed it off to one of his big men or someone in a better position. But instead, he kind of hesitated and just froze and threw it out to Jimmy Butler on the wing with, like, five on the shot clock. And the defense was just flanking Jimmy, and he's in a terrible spot and had to throw up and miss a jumper. Like, that's the next step for Denzel is he can't be afraid to do that. And he expressed that he was disappointed in himself in that play. So I think that's probably reflective of what he needs to do. Yeah, and that's another thing. You know, it, It's going to be a thing. You expect rookies to not have the greatest decision-making all the time like that. Denzel, for the most part, I think has made good decisions. You know, There's going to be a few slip-ups like that, but you know, he's going to play summer league probably this summer. That'll get him some more reps. Uh, I, th- I think he'll be fine in that in the long term. I think he's a smart enough player that he'll be able to correct some of that stuff. Rajon Rondo says the Bulls are going to... They're not stopping at seven, is what he said. They're only a game out of six. They're only two games keep, out of five. Don't want to keep chugging. So, I have hotel, I, mean, I have hotels booked in four cities right now for the first round. Five thirty-eight. One of the best prediction and mathematical models out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe has the Bulls pegged with a ninety-four percent chance to make the playoffs with five games remaining. Easy schedule. What is it again? Knicks. Knicks. Somebody, Knicks. Sixers. Nets. Nets Magic, Magic. Nets. Nets. Uh, the last two at home. The Bulls, though, I think it's time we start looking at some potential playoff opponents. So right now, they could still get Cleveland or Boston, whether it's 2-7, 1-8. All if four of those are in play. to sixth, we're looking at what? Toronto or Washington. Washington is really good at basketball. They've also matched up really well against the Bulls this season. I think Toronto would be if you were if you were a Bulls fan wondering who could they maybe beat the you know with with Toronto it's not just the stuff with the you know the streak because obviously the streak is over right now but the Raptors still don't have Kyle Lowry that we don't know how healthy he's going to be in the playoffs so they could be vulnerable there. So fans should start. It was all along. It's like can the Bulls sneak into the seven seed maybe and play the Raptors in the two seven? Now the Hawks trending the wrong way. The three six. It's possible. I mean, the, the, any of those four teams are in play. Yeah. It's 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 definitely like I, I don't know. Speak so speaking of the Knicks, real quick, the Bulls play the yeah. Knicks on Tuesday. We should probably just quickly mention this because I know a lot of Bulls fans listening to this are still very uh, attached to 
Derrick Rose, uh, they announced, the Knicks announced today that he has a torn meniscus in his left knee and he's going to be out for the rest of the season, which should be noted the left knee is the knee he had the ACL tear in 2012, the, the two meniscus surgeries he had after that were the right knee, but sounds like he's going to have, to, he's going to do the shorter version of the rehab, he's going to get some of the meniscus removed, be back in six to eight, six weeks, to eight weeks, so he'll be ready for free agency, but like that's a big blow for him in terms of him hoping to get a big contract this summer. I don't know where he was going to get that, but this doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah, I mean, at no point, I mean, I know that Derek's made some really delusional comments through the years. I think people in Chicago know that better than anyone else. Even I this believe, year, the Knicks are a super team. He wants yeah, to get a max contract. I, yeah, that's what I was going to say, and I believe he mentioned he still eyes a max contract, and yeah. I think anyone logically would say that was never the case. But now you're looking at a guy who maybe could have what, worked his way into like a $10 million contract a year annually, yeah. 12 if he finished the year strong and had shown, hey, I had no serious injuries and logged 70 games for the Knicks. You know, Now you're looking at, I mean, what, mid-level exception, something like that? Hey. Like, these teams that – the thing is, again, there's so many – so many good young point guards in the NBA. You know, like, point guard's a great position, and there's five or six really good ones in the draft. Yeah. None of this bodes well for Derrick Rose whatsoever at all. And honestly, I Are we gonna see I Dick? don't know what role he has on a team next year. Like, is he? It looks like he's going to be a backup point guard and not making hardly any money at that. And... I don't know what he brings you because he doesn't really set others up well and doesn't play good defense. Do you think we might see Derrick Rose in China? I don't think so. Either. No. No. I don't know. I could... Do you think China's on the radar for later? It's on the table. Do you say that because he loves playing basketball so much and wants money still or because of some business ventures that might just be helped to take off in a market that's so huge and does have a burgeoning basketball fan base. Kind of both. I mean, he, he, he and former NBA players who go, who are kind of done in the NBA go there routinely. Uh, Stephon Marbury's killing it over there. Yeah, I don't know. Derek's gone on a lot of trips to China, I feel like, yeah. through the years with Adidas and such. Um, but I just... It's sad. I mean, that's, what again, one of it the is. saddest sagas and injury... Um, unfortunate injury situations I've ever seen in NBA history because I mean he's probably going to be what's the what's the he'll be uh, the only MVP. MVP that doesn't go in the Hall of Fame probably. probably yeah because I mean ever since then he's just been injured and hasn't been anything um, like himself obviously but I mean this just this further cements I mean the Bulls had Joakim Noah and Derrick Rose on their team last year and the Knicks were I think widely criticized for the, what, four years, $72 million yeah. or so. And for giving up Robin Lopez and Jaron Grant in the Rose trade. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people admitted that the Knicks got the best player in the trade at the time in Derrick Rose, and they like the the spotlight and the star power that right, comes with I mean, former MVP. But they have been plagued this year by problems that everyone in Chicago knew exactly how it was going to play out. Yeah, there's really nothing that happened with either of them. Joe's body couldn't hold up. Derek had a whole bunch of weird 
uh, off-court stuff with that time in January when he just kind of disappeared from the team. Oh, yeah, going AWOL. Yeah. Yeah, make sure. And plus, like, he was in the middle of that civil trial last fall. Like, there was just all this stuff that was going on that everybody besides the Knicks, as soon as that trade happened, were just like, you guys know this is exactly how this is going to play out, right? And then it played out exactly that way. Yeah, reminder to always notify your bosses if you're not coming to work. It's uh, it's fairly standard procedure and such. But, yeah. Um, the Knicks, obviously not make the playoffs, but hope for the best with everything uh, for Derek's future, but he's made plenty of money uh, to be secure. Uh, as for us, I think we're going to take Monday off the, uh, the podcast. Bulls have an off day. Yeah. Uh, I think they traveled to New York where, as we mentioned, they match up with those Knicks on Tuesday evening, and the Bulls are in very good playoff position. Uh, again, basically a, a two-game cushion because they have that tie break. Basically, a two-game cushion there. Their magic uh, number. Is, their magic number is five. Okay, five combined losses of those teams behind them and Bulls wins. So, yeah, um, we'll keep an eye on that for, for you on uh, Locked On Bulls, which you can follow at Locked On Bulls. You can follow Sean on Twitter at Hiking myself at Cody Westerlin. Uh, email us at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, too, the show name. So definitely find us there. And most of all, please do subscribe to the podcast. That's right. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audioboom, TuneIn, Google Play. Anywhere else you can find podcasts, make sure you subscribe. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe. Check out the other podcasts in the Locked On Podcast Network as well. And we will be back with you guys on Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.